0: After this, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them on ahead of him in pairs to every town and place where he himself intended to go. He said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go on your way, see I am sending you out like lambs into the midst of wolves. Carry no purse, no bag, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace to this house. And if anyone is there who shares in peace, your peace will rest on that person. But if not it will return to you. Remain in the same house, eating and drinking whatever they provide, for the laborer deserves to be paid. Do not move about from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and its people welcome you, eat what is set before you. Cure the sick who are there, and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not welcome you, go out into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off in protest against you. Yet know this, the kingdom of God has come near. Whoever listens to you listens to me and whoever rejects you rejects me. And whoever rejects me, rejects the one who sent me. The 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, in your name, even the demons submit to us. He said to them, I watched Satan fall from heaven like a flash of lightning. See, I have given you authority to tread on snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing Will hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice at this that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Be to God. People come from all walks of life to study the word of God in seminary. I felt called to study theology and the Bible though I did not think I would ever be the pastor of a church. And yet, here I am. Professors told us that about 50% of seminarians say they can't imagine ever preaching, but that almost all of them, of us, will eventually answer a call from a church. It's strange what studying the Word can do to a person. I met Frances when I first started seminary. We got along well and I was delighted that she and I were in the same spiritual direction group together. These groups met weekly with a trained spiritual director who helped us to discover how God was present in what we were doing and where God was calling us in our lives. It was a wonderful experience to set aside time each week to quietly and communally look for the presence and the voice of God. I miss those times. Frances is a very quiet, shy, soft-spoken woman in her mid-forties. She came to seminary from a successful career in graphic design, and I saw the awesome quality of her work when she did some design work for our seminary Corpus Christi group, the group that focused on social justice issues. She was one of those who was adamant that she did not want to preach. And in fact, she transferred to the dual degree program in seminary that awarded both a Master of Divinity and a Master of Social Work at the same time. spoke often during our spiritual direction times of a feeling that she had that she was being called to serve as a volunteer with women prisoners. Now, she's petite and slim with pale, delicate features. She's extremely soft-spoken, almost reticent in her conversations with other people. It was difficult to imagine her holding her own with women prisoners. I imagined them, figuratively, eating her alive. She continued, though, to express that she felt called by God to serve in this way, and she began to research how she could participate in some kind of prison educational program. Eventually, Frances found an organization to work with, and she began to visit weekly with a group of women who were exploring their histories as abuse survivors. Frances helped them to talk about and write about some very difficult issues. She brought her fears, her challenges, and her joys from this ministry to our group. We had not all been encouraging to start with. Even our wonderful spiritual director, Jean, a Catholic nun who was highly trained in leading people to discern where God was calling them to act and serve, even she asked many, many questions as Francis explored this particular calling. She cautioned her and us about answering calls out of guilt or obligation or other possible mistaken motives. Frances listened and prayed and considered carefully, but she responded by following this particular call. Once she began her volunteer ministry, she told us of the women she was meeting and of their responses to her teaching. It wasn't easy, and at times she felt that she was being manipulated by some of the women. But her reports of some of the journaling and storytelling that she encouraged women to do, were very moving. I am certain that she brought God's presence to a place where there is generally little joy to be found. We were joyful for and with her. Quiet, shy Frances had heard and answered God's call. (coughs) Excuse me. And God gave her the strength to carry out that ministry. The last I heard from Frances was that she was working as a chaplain in a large level one trauma hospital in Austin, Texas. And I know from experience that such a ministry is not an easy one. In today's reading from Luke, Jesus sends 70 of his followers to tell people, about his love, and to bring God's peace to them. This, too, is not an easy mission to accomplish. They are to go in pairs to every place that Jesus plans to visit. Jesus gives them very specific instructions about how they should act, both on the journey and when they arrive. At this point, even though the task is daunting, There is no resistance. Everyone appears absolutely ready to respond to Jesus' call and ready to do as he instructs. Jesus calls them laborers and uses an agricultural image to inspire them. The harvest is ready, he says. It's a good and plentiful harvest, but there are only a few laborers to gather in the crop. Jesus is expressing urgency now about his ministry. What happens to the crop if it isn't isn't harvested in time? It will rot in the fields and will be no good to anyone. Jesus is moving slowly towards Jerusalem, gathering souls for the completion of the kingdom and his followers play a vital role in preparing the way. Jesus tells them to take nothing with them, only the peace of God. They must ask for, real, for, for hospitality, a real obligation in ancient times, since travelers were often dependent on the hospitality of strangers. To refuse to offer hospitality was socially ethically and religiously unacceptable. They must offer the peace to the first house they enter, and then they must receive what is offered to them in that house. Clearly, this is not an easy thing to do. And they are to heal the sick. Even though the offering of hospitality was different in ancient times, it was still a burden to receive visitors who must be provided for. And Jesus recognizes that it's a burden. He says he's sending them out like lambs into the midst of wolves. Not a very happy vision for them as they embark upon this this ministry. And yet we hear of no resistance whatsoever. What a leader, what a teacher, what a prophet this man Jesus must have been to have inspired such confidence, such courage, such almost recklessness for the sake of the kingdom of God. His followers believed in him utterly. Those who could not measure up have fallen by the wayside now and only the truly dedicated ones are left. And they seem to be utterly filled with joy at the mission they are sent to accomplish. And when they return, their joy is unbounded. Their excitement is surprising and appealing. There's almost an innocence about it as they report the success of their mission. Rather surprisingly, we don't hear about the peace that they bring to the places they visit. Or perhaps we only hear about it in a roundabout way as they report, Lord, in your name, even the demons submit to us. Jesus indeed confirms his defeat of the, of the powers of evil, but he quickly redirects them to the joys of their ministry. Jesus seems to echo Matthew 6. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust consumes and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. God's ministry will bring joy to your hearts. God's ministry will bring peace to those who receive you and who offer hospitality to those who bring God's message. God's ministry, faithfully carried out, will bring you closer to God. I wonder what the ministry is that you are called to. And since Jesus' message seems to apply to people in groups, or at least in pairs, what might be the ministry or mission that this church is called to in the future? I find it very reassuring that Jesus does not call us alone to fulfill God's mission. Yes, we are called, and yes, we may feel that call while we are alone, but there is always someone to share the road with us, to keep us confident and courageous, to help us discern, as my friend Francis did, the nature and the rightness of that ministry. Last week, we learned about the Yavs, the Presbyterian Young Adult Volunteers, who live and work with other young people to fulfill God's mission. They are not alone. Yes, there may be risk involved. Stephanie Buchanan Crowder likens responding to a call to ministry to the response that African American slaves made to a call for freedom. She writes, A person who risks her life in following Jesus must rely on the mercy of others. Just as she surely had to rely in every circumstance on the mercy of God. It is a chance that slaves were willing to take for freedom. It is a chance believers must take in order to be free and to set the captive free. I wonder, is there a mission or a ministry that this church is called to fulfill. What might it be? Are there children nearby who need additional help with schoolwork or a loving adult to mentor them? Is there hunger in this community that needs to be addressed? Are there adults with mental health challenges who need support Is there a prison ministry just waiting to be started? Is there a mission that the youth of the church could engage in? How will this congregation determine the mission that we are best suited to embark on? To be sure, the harvest is plentiful, even if the laborers are few. Is this church ready to step out and break new ground? Are we ready for some discomfort and for our foundations to be shaken a little? Are we ready to help overcome the forces of injustice and oppression and give our neighbors a better chance at understanding God's peace? Are we ready for the joy such a ministry and mission? might bring. I believe we are ready. I see energy, dedication to God, compassion, and above all, love within this congregation. Will you work with me to identify where God is calling us to serve next? Could we perhaps join with other nearby churches to increase the impact of our work. It promises to be a marvelous journey for sure as we pray, discern, and seek out the right mission field for our congregation. And Christ is ready to direct, to guide, and to uphold us on the journey He is ready to share the joy of the harvest with us when we return to him with news of the sharing of the gospel of plenty and of freedom for all. Let's begin the conversation. Let's take this journey together. Amen. now, if you would please stand and let us affirm together what we believe. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. And now let us sing that marvelous hymn, O Beautiful for Spacious Skies, number 564.